Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. And now we'll go straight to our main message. And now he says, okay, now you've crowned me as king. You're dedicated. You're committed. God bless you. You're growing. You're growing beautifully. God bless you. Now you're resting. Your heart's on fire. You're resting in your bed. You're peaceful. You're clean. You're cleansed from all defilement. You're cleansed from all worldliness. And now I've got another call for you. I'm going to bring you into the momentum test of something else. And this time, it's the fellowship of my sufferings. It's the fellowship of my sufferings. I want you to be conformed unto my rejection as a lamb. And I want you to enter into the conformity of a lamb spirit. And I want you to begin to enjoy the meekness of an inner heart when persecution comes for the kingdom. You're going to crown me king. You're going to be persecuted by the cosmic system. Now, you crown me king. I want you to follow the rejected Lord. He's always been rejected. And he's rejected tonight. He's despised. He was a man of sorrows. He's acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from him. He is despised and we esteemed him not. And so, she said, she hesitated. She procrastinated. And as she hesitated, she wasn't rebelling. She did not say no, but she hesitated. She hesitated in her response. I don't know how many Christians have to go through so much because they delay positive volition toward the call of God's Word. They procrastinate with with. A passive spirit toward the word of God. And that's what she did. They just hear the word, but do not act upon it. You know, a lot of people can't stand it when God brings the cross in a loved one's life. And they begin to resist God for calling a loved one into a mission of faith. Jesus Christ left heaven and left the mansions of glory and the glorious fellowship of the Father to become the product of of the despising of men. And yet you don't want a loved one to serve God because you want to protect them from the life at the cross. All because you haven't grown up yet in kingdom understanding. Now, listen carefully. I want you to see this now. The Lord says, listen, follow me in my rejection. I want you to come out of your own self in a new way now? Are you willing to lose your reputation? Do you want to be despised? Are you willing to enter into John fifteen nineteen? Because I have chosen you out of the world system, the world hateth you? Are you ready for that? Are you ready to fellowship with my sufferings? Are you ready to stand in the old pathway? Are you ready to stand by the old landmarks? Are you ready to walk by faith when there isn't anything in sight to help you? Are you ready to walk by faith when you have no feelings? He withdrew himself. She couldn't see him. She couldn't feel him. She couldn't touch him. She didn't have any direction. He left. But before he left, he revealed to her something that he previously revealed. His hand in the hole of the door showing the principle of his nail-scarred hands or his love for her. You know, a lot of people 
don't understand it. When the Lord Jesus has done so much for us, why should we procrastinate in our response to him? Whatever he should ask us. She said, I put off my coat. How should I put it on? I've got rid of my old life. I'm rid of that worldly life. She said, I put off the old life. How should I put it on? I've washed my feet. How should I defile them? I want to stay protected. I don't want to go out and face a new challenge of faith. I want to be comfortable in my present condition. I want to live on yesterday's experience and not face a challenge of the call of God today. I want to live in the memories of the good old days and not face the faith of today. I am happy. I'm peaceful. I've got a good Christian life. And now you're telling me, God, to go to Africa, to go to India, to go to the tribes that haven't had the word translated into their language. You're telling me to go to New York. You're telling me to go to some city where they'll skin me alive. You're telling me that? Why, I'd be risking my life. Don't you see? I'm a happy Christian. Don't ask me to go into some new thing that I don't know a thing about. That's what a lot of people do. I got a little thing I want to say about this. Right, that's good. Verse 2, Song Psalm 5. I sleep, but my heart's awake. Some people sleep and their heart isn't awake. In messages. Now, uh, she, said, she said, My beloved, put in his hand by the hole of the door, and my emotions were moved for him. Bowels means emotions, man in him. And I rose up to open to my beloved... And my hands dropped with myrrh and my fingers of sweet-smelling myrrh upon the handles of the lock. But I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. And my soul failed when I spake, when he spake, and I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. Now, there isn't a person here tonight that in the mystery of going deeper with God that isn't called unto this kind of an experience. You cry out and wait for an answer and it doesn't come. You pray and it's just like he isn't there. You don't know what direction to take. This is when God is addressing us to live by a new dimension of faith with a new capacity for fellowship by pure faith. So many people fail this particular call. Lord, give me a husband. Doesn't do it. Give me a better job. Doesn't do it. Help my rheumatoid arthritis. Doesn't do it. And he makes us go through a period when it's faith or we fail. It's calling us into a new deep dimension with his grace. Because when we trust him, we glorify him. Amen? But in this case, he said, follow me in my rejection. Follow me as a man of sorrows. Follow me in my persecutions. But you know, we don't want to be persecuted, do we? We live in good old TV, comfortable America, where we can have a happy Christian life and live like millionaires with no trials. And everybody can be a king and be protected with security, temporal security, social security, Welfare, bank accounts, 
and just be protected in good old America and call that a modern cross. Now, isn't that right? Some of you are buried in it mentally and you won't face it even here. You retire when you're 50. shouldn't retire until you're 110. Remember that story I told? I told it about twice a year. I'm going to tell it the third time. Jack House was preaching that men of God never should retire. They should be on fire until they die and serve God. That one soul is worth more than all the world. Serve God forever. Be filled with the Spirit. Get your heart up. And that old fellow, cross-eyed and short and bow-legged and, and uh, bald-headed and, and everything else, got up and said, Before your sermon ends, I'm re-enlisting tonight. He comes down front, hopping down front. He's bow-legged. He's cross-eyed. He's bald-headed. He's short. And he said, I retired when I was 65. I'm re-enlisting at 88. You know, <laughs> goodness sakes, retire when you're 65 for what? To look back on the good old days while souls perish and go to... You can't tell me that if you believe one soul is worth more than all the world, you can accept retirement from the cross and retirement from the Great Commission and retirement from the Spirit-filled life. And if you're Spirit-filled, you will pray and you will take your retirement serving God and winning souls. That's one for anybody if you've retired. So I can't even go to that church and retire in peace. Get all convicted. And you're absolutely right. You'll not be able to do it uh, in gracious peacefulness around here. Now, I want you to get this picture. Verse 7. The watchman that went about the city found me. They smote me. They wounded me. And the keepers of the walls took away my veil from me. These watchmen and these keepers of the wall, they were the Lord's servants. This is a picture of a child of God who did love God, who was being drawn into a very serious new walk. But the servants of the Lord didn't understand her. They could have comforted her, but they didn't. They could have loved her, but they didn't. She could have said what Job said in 521. Hide me from the scourge of their tongues because they were lashing her verbally. They thought they were helping her, but they didn't know, they didn't understand what she was going through. And that's what a lot of Christians do to a lot of people when they should stay out of other people's business. Job said in 16, 19, and 21, he said, My king's folks now have forsaken me. My familiar friends have forgotten me. And my intimate friends... He said, abhor me. And he said, they that I love, those that I love, have turned against me. That's a pretty good collection. The only place that the Bible outdoes that is Jeremiah 26, 8, until you get to the Lord's story, when his disciples forsook him. The only time is, is in Job uh, 14 and Jeremiah 26, when everybody, including some of his own family members came after Jeremiah and said he deserves to die. You see, when you enter into a life with the rejected one, some strange people aren't going to understand you. Some close people aren't going to understand you. 
because you're entering into a fellowship with his sufferings. And the Lord's servants wounded her, hurt her. If you really want to get hurt, let the Lord's servants do it. They know how to do it better than the world does. They know how to do it better than Byron Charlie does. Now, what did they do, the keepers of the wall? They took away her veil. That means that they exposed her grief. That they revealed everything about her trial. That they uncovered her doctrine of privacy. That they took away her believer priesthood. That they were refused to honor the honor code of the, of the believers. They took away her veil. They exposed her. And wounded her tremendously. Oh, if she'd only responded to the Lord when he asked her to come. The trials we go through by being slow to respond to certain messages, to certain opportunities, to certain privileges of grace. A teenager will be called of God and treated beautifully by older Christians and keep saying no. And keep wanting the filthy, rotten, homosexual, lesbian, aid, herpes-filled, drunkard-filled world with all the long-haired rock music. David Wilkinson said that 50% of Christian rock groups he could prove were homosexuals. He said that the two top soloists in Christian rock music were immoral and living in premarital sex. And they get up and sing sweet songs about Jesus. He said, I've got the evidence. Well, we don't care about that because we're going to follow our heart, aren't we? And really be independent of Calvary, of everything else. Wait and let a few people get real mad. Just pause a minute. Now it's time. They're still angry, but let's go on. Listen. Say, how do you keep this many people in a small town preaching like that? It's God's work, and the Holy Spirit honors it, and Jesus Christ gives grace. And people here like it the way it ought to be, or they wouldn't be here. To this maiden at this time, it looked like there was no end of the trial. I want to say this. Though there was no end to her trial by sight, she was being drawn into the sixth chapter of Song of Solomon where she would rest in her beloved's eyes. And no matter how dark the night seems, remember that song, the darker the night, the greater the light shines. No matter how dark the night is, no matter if we walk in darkness and have no light, in Isaiah 50, verse 10, have our minds stayed upon thee and trust in thee. And God reveals to us a secret of riches and a wealth of riches in dark places in Isaiah 45, 3. And by light we walk through darkness in Job 29, 3. And God helps us to leap over the wall in Psalm 18. And remember this, when there seems to be not a single thing happening good, and there seems to be no end to the test. I've been in trials where I've said, it's gone on ten months. Well, Lord, are you going to have it be ten years? And I was all enthused of moving God until three, years, uh, until three months later, and he still was not moved yet. <laughs> but all during those trials, he draws us out of something into him. And we take on a new capacity, a new, a new dimension, a new confidence in God, a new fellowship. And we begin to fellowship with his sufferings by faith. 
We fellowship away from sight, away from empiricism, away from rationalization, away from natural need, away from all the things that make us secretly worldly. And he draws us out a little more and a little more and waits for us. And finally we see it and we discover the secret riches in dark places. Meanwhile, the daughters of Jerusalem were in for a great blessing. She so loves her, her Lord that she's going to give a testimony about him. Every part of him she talks about. And they finally say, where is he that we may find him? She gave such a good testimony to the daughters of Jerusalem. And, and, and they said, you've described him. He's everything we want. She, the, the daughters of Jerusalem started off by saying, why is he any better than anyone else? And when she got done telling them about the Lord Jesus Christ in principle, they said, where is he that we may find him? Would you bow your heads? Father, tonight, as you start the process of drawing us out, first, out of ourselves, second, into understanding the kingdom warfare, and thirdly, into a life outside the camp, these are beautiful times, Father, because you always do it on the basis of resurrection. You always do. You said, my sister, that meant royal family of God. You said, my love, that meant a personal relationship with the Word through the Holy Spirit. You said, my dove, and it meant that through the Holy Spirit we are yours and our body is yours. You said, my undefiled, and that meant the finished work. And that meant that we're following you in practical holiness, set apart by doctrine and through the Spirit. Grant tonight that our hearts may just be hungry and thirsty for you. Give us a great hunger to share this message with, with the world, even as she did the daughters of Jerusalem. And our testimony is so solid about Jesus Christ. Don't let anybody live under walls and mental blocks. Get us under the King and his throne his victory over Satan and demons. Give us the desire to fellowship with his sufferings and not worry about it, react to it, or talk about it. We'll thank you tonight. Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com. Yes, the call, the heavenly summons. Yes, God calls us over to himself, doesn't he? He calls us to himself. Just like in the message with the woman in Song of Solomon. It was her lover peering through the lattice work. She had already taken off her sandals and had entered into rest and really had set herself up for the night. A place of comfort, that place where she didn't want to alter her position uh, Intimacy was not worth the price in that lazy moment. <laughs> I guess we've all been there. It's it's uh, in First Corinthians one twenty six and following. For you see your calling, brethren, how not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, 
not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And it's an amazing thing in the Song of Solomon we see how the lover created a capacity in this young woman. And doesn't God do that for us? When he calls us over to his side, we don't so much know what we're getting into and we don't necessarily have a capacity for many things. But in spending time with him and being with him and in this transformed life in the response, we begin to learn. And and it's amazing. And, And we look at this as this summons. It's a high calling. In Philippians 3.14, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this unto you. That word perfect there, it's talking about maturity. We become mature in our mind and our relationship with God that God reveals his mind to us progressively as we spend time with him. It's also a holy calling. In 2 Timothy 1, verse 9, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. And it's a heavenly calling. In Hebrews 3, verse 1, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him. It says in Matthew 10, verse 24, The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. Is it enough for the disciple that he be as his master, and the servant as his Lord? If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? There's a suffering that comes through this identification with Christ. When we're called over to his side, when we're there with him, and we spend time with him, that identification goes both ways. (laughs) We identify with the Lord, therefore we love the things of God, and we partake of the master's table. But just like anyone who has enemies in the world, if you are seen with a person who has enemies, you get their enemies suddenly see, say, oh, you're with him. Oh, so we're going to treat you the same way that we, we treat him. And that's purely natural. But here in the supernatural realm, when we, when we identify with the Lord Jesus Christ, There's an enemy that hates him and hates everything that has to do with the things of God. And suddenly we are identified. We are identified as being in the camp of the Holy One. And with that comes suffering. And as it was explained in the message, God uses all of that suffering. He uses the immaturity of pausing in our response, that we uh, hesitate in responding to our relationship with God and sometimes we suffer because of that but then we also may suffer persecution 
because of our life in Christ. And yet both of them serve to God's end, which is that he builds character in us. Amazing character that gives us a capacity for what he has for us in the future and what other people need. We, we, through the fires of the trials, the gold is purified and that dross rises up to the surface when that gold is heated to the specific temperature and then it can be skimmed off and, and the gold is purified. So is the same with our lives. That in, in our mistakes and in our identification, whatever that suffering may be, it only serves to purify us and, and cause us to operate in who we are in Christ in a purer way as we go forward in this life. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com So Lord, thank you. Thank you. We, we, we think it's such a sweet thing to identify with your Son, Father. We spend time with Him. We know Him. We've become a member of the family of God. And it's such a sweet thing as we go through our life to realize who we fellowship with. The uh, enormity of fellowshipping with a holy, eternal God. So out there, if you, if you don't know God, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, this is an opportunity now to get to know Him. Respond to the call. Respond to that heavenly summons of intimacy that God would have with you. Believe, believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross, that he paid for your sins, that he was buried, that he rose from the grave, and he sits in session at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for those that are his, and he wants you to be his. Pray a prayer in your heart, receiving Christ as your Savior, right now, right now, while the Spirit is speaking to you, and you will be transformed you will be taken out of one kingdom and placed into the kingdom of his dear son. And you will have fellowship in a new family, in a holy relationship. We ask these things. We thank you, Father, for this great opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen.